to Driving Performance. I'm your host, Tom Shea, the co-founder of Agile Media Group, and I am joined by two of the most badass female founders today, Sandra Velasquez and Amy Liu. Um, Sandra is the founder of Nopalera, a Mexican botanicals for body and bath that celebrates and elevates Latina culture. The brand takes its inspiration from the nopal, the prickly pear cactus, an ancient symbol of Mexican culture for its resilience and versatility. Nopalera is leading the brown space opportunity with its iconic culture forward branding that speaks to the overlooked Latina clean beauty consumer. And Amy is the founder of Tower 28, a clean beauty brand designed for sensitive skin and made for all. Created with hints of nostalgia, products are bold, playful, and accessible with a message that it's okay to be sensitive. Tower 28 is the first and only brand to adhere to the National Eczema Association's ingredient guidelines. That means 0% irritating ingredients, 100% safe for the sense of skin, so clean, vegan, and rigorously dermatologist tested. Ladies, welcome to Driving Performance. Thanks for having. Yeah. Good to be here. So I start this off uh, asking the same question of everyone, because a lot of people are going to be listening on audio. What the hell is going on right now? How would you describe this to the audio listeners? We're, we're parked in a, a, a truck um, in, in Chelsea, in the rain. Yes. Yeah, it's starting to steam up in the background of the city, but yeah. not, the, not the best weather. But, okay, so, in you a know, very small yeah, truck. It's sort of like a New York City apartment, so it's, at least it's on brand. But, um, you know, Sandra, Sandra Amy, um, you guys know each other, obviously. I sort of wanted to just start with how you guys know each other. I know there's a story with the Clean Beauty Summer School, um, the Tower, Tower 28 runs, but what's the, uh, how'd you guys meet? I think you should tell that story. You created this amazing opportunity. Tower 28 has an accelerator program and it's called Clean Beauty Summer School. Clean Beauty Summer School, we've done three sessions so far. This will be our fourth year. And the idea is that we take every year 10, a class of 10 BIPOC beauty founders and we take them through a, a combination of courses. So we teach classes. Um, give them mentors, and at the end of it, we do a pitch day. And Sandra was a winner of Clean Beauty yeah. Summer School's third season. Yeah, and so. what, what was that experience like for you, Sandra? Well, I will say that I have I'm like an accelerator ho, so I've been in many <laughs> accelerators. And Amy's is very special because it's founder driven. Yeah, you know, so the fact that Amy, who has all of this amazing like industry experience and like knows a lot of people in the beauty industry, pulled all of her amazing friends together, got them to teach classes. Yeah. And like that is what makes Clean Beauty Summer School radically different and like so awesome compared to other accelerators or you know that are run by people that are not in the trenches. Yeah. You know, right. Amy's in the trenches. You know, like she's on tour right now supporting the brand, right? <laughs> yeah. And so are her friends. And so twenty-eight just, days, twenty-eight spots, twenty-eight stores. 28 yes, stores. Oh my God, is that on Sephora's. Is it because it's Tower 28? Is that why you're in it? You got Thanks. it! I did it! Oh my god, I just got I that. I also didn't get it. I, okay, okay, thank you. I just got that. But that's what makes Clean Beauty Summer School so amazing. Right. Because as founders, we want to hear, like, the truth. Right. Like, yeah. tell us what's really happening. Tell us what, how it's, you know, how it really goes. Like, tell us, I want to hear, like, you know, in the trenches, like, right. all the failures. Like, that's the stuff that's so valuable that we can learn from instead of just kind of, like, overview high level. Like, yeah. legal 101, retail 101. Like, no, tell us. Yeah. Tell us what the buyer said. Operators, <laughs> operators yeah. not, like, talking. Tell us what software to uh, use. Yeah, like, tell right. us what you use. Like, so that's why Clean Beauty Summer School is so awesome. Cool. And we're definitely going to dive into that a bit more, but I wanted to quickly start um, sort of laying the guidelines of how this show is going to play out. So... Obviously, we are in a truck. There's a few stops along this route, and I'm gonna tell you what those stops are. Stop one is gonna be the origin story, so um, how you guys came to be, what developed you from an early age in, into being brand founders today. 
Stop two is going to be some brand specific questions that are unique, I think, specifically to your experiences building your respective organizations. Stop three is going to be brand intersection questions where we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Clean Beauty Summer School once more. And then stop four is a segment we call the hot box. And uh, I'll leave that. <laughs> is it going to get warmer? It's starting, <laughs> starting to steam up already. And then stop five uh, is quite literally the end. And uh, we'll wrap there. So, Yay. Um, good. You guys ready to get into it? Yeah. yeah. All right, stop one, um, and we'll start with Amy. Amy, you know, you've had such an interesting origin story, and you started your brand a little bit later in life, but it was formed by so many unique experiences that you had sort of in the industry, and, and you know, that's a little bit different than yours, where I felt like, Sandra, you had, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, like, very few of experiences. So let's start with Amy. Uh, Amy, can you take us back to, you know, let's go all the way back to, you know, some of those conversations when you, you know, you had gone into, I think, freelance and you were raising kids and you're like, you know, just looking for something to start and how that all came together. So I'm still raising kids. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have three children. Um, and like you mentioned, I've worked in the beauty industry for, it's 20, this is my 20th year working in the beauty industry. So it's pretty much the only career I've really had. Right. Um, I have always wanted to be an entrepreneur though. And I kind of told myself this whole story about how I was going to work for other people and I was going to learn on someone else's dime and one day I would do it. And I think the thing is when you're working and having kids and building your life, it's hard to at some point like make that decision and make that leap and say like, okay, I'm just going to go do it. And frankly, I didn't know I could, right? right? I think like at the time, so I raised money five years ago, we launched four years ago. And at the time, you know, Glossier had raised money away. Like there were women who had done it, right. but I didn't see myself in that. I didn't think it was possible for me. I didn't have those kind of connections. I didn't know how it worked. It was really, I don't know, intimidating to right. me. Um, but it was something I always wanted to do. So even longer than I've had a career in beauty, I've had eczema. And one of the things I was always looking for as a person was for products that were not only clean, but also safe for sensitive skin. And the reason I wanted clean is because when you have an inflammatory issue like eczema, your skin is your skin barrier is compromised. Right. And so then you hear these things about how 70% of what you put on your skin goes into your bloodstream. And I was like, well, for me, if my skin's broken, totally. not only is it going in, but is it actually making my skin worse? Right. When I made the switch to clean beauty, I actually found a lot of those ingredients really sensitizing because it has essential oils in them, which essential oils I am not demonizing, but it depends on which essential oils and what your skin type is totally. like. Um, and then when I tried looking for products that were safe for sensitive skin, a lot of those products I really found were, I don't know, kind of either boring or clinical and definitely not necessarily clean. Right. So I really saw that there was a white space based on my own need. Um, and frankly, I probably wouldn't have taken the leap except that I had a friend who sat me down and was like, Shit or get off the pot. You're getting older. If you don't do it now, you probably won't ever yeah. do it, which I actually think was right. Yeah, and I love that story. So can you, can you take us into, um, I it was one of your friends who was like, essentially called your bluff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he well, was like, you know, like, you, you tell the story. Obviously, you can tell it better. So we went to business school together. His his name is Charles. He became my lead. Shout out, best. Charles. Char shout out, Charles. You, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> um, we went to business school together. We were not best friends. We were co-presidents of the Entrepreneurship Venture Management Association. <laughs> um, and we had always kind of stayed in touch professionally. So when he was doing something, he would, like, tell me about it. He's like, do you want to come over? And very different. He had a SaaS company, and he started it right after business school where I went to go work for other people. Right. I didn't know he had sold his company. 
and we went for coffee and I was talking to him about what I wanted to do. And I was like, listen, I want something where I have upside. I want equity. I want, you know, a seat at the table. I want this. And he was like, "Uh uh-huh. You've been saying you've wanted to do this for so long. Why don't you do it? I was like, I don't have money and I don't have a partner, so I can't do it. I have to go work for someone. And he was like, well, if you have money, you can go hire people. I was like, still don't have money. (laughs) We had just, I mean, LA is expensive. We bought our first house when I was 39. So he, and I had kids and everything else. I just felt like we couldn't do it. And he essentially, you know, gave me that lifeline where he was like, I'll give you half of whatever you think you need. And um, at the time I said, I think I need 250,000 because I had written a business plan actually for another founder. And because I was consulting, and that was what she thought she needed, and that's what she was planning on raising. And he's like, if you think you need 250, you need 500. I'll give you 250 if you can raise the other 250 in 30 days. And then did you go back to that founder and be like, hey, by the way, I just got told <laughs> yeah. you, need, you need to double 250. <laughs> I did. I actually, she ended up raising quite a bit more oh, than that. Wow. So Very yeah, cool. <laughs> she did. Um, but that's kind of how it started. And frankly, like the next 30 days, it it was so good for me because I don't think I would have known how to go ask for money. Right. But it was because I was given this, it almost gamified it, right? So I could, and he said, which I think is one of the best things he told me, he's like, don't take my word for it. Take this and go get advice. Like, go walk this around to friends. Because he gave me a valuation. He gave me terms. Like, I didn't know anything about raising right. money. And because there was something to almost... He was a lead investor, right? There were terms already, and I could walk them around, and people could be like, okay, I'm in. Right. Um, or they would tell me, like, go talk to somebody else or refer me. or And I had coworkers and we're like, we'll come in together, or my, my brother and I will. And all of a sudden, um, having this timeline, I think, was actually really good for me. Because I was like, I could say to people, I have a due date. Are right, you in right. or not? It's like when you're raising, you're like trying to create urgency. And, yeah, you know. But I wasn't trying. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I had real you literally urgency. literally had urgency. You said it wasn't. They had, I really did have urgency. And he had a, essentially, he was trying to roll over, I think it's called a 1031, right? When you sell a company, you can take equity and invest. Right. Kind of like a house. You can yeah. do that. Um, so he had urgency for his own reasons. Um, and yeah, I was able to raise some money and here we are today. So yeah. I've raised I've raised twice, I've raised a million in total. Okay, awesome. And then you have a great story about like pre-Tower 28 early day career of um, just breaking into the industry. I'd love if you could just talk about some of those early formidable experiences of, you know, people weren't recruiting from your school, you went to USC for business school, right? Yeah. And, and sort of how you forced your way into the industry. I mean, I, I'd actually be interested to hear what Sandra thinks about the beauty industry now, because I think it's changed a lot. But early days in my career, the beauty industry was really insular. The way I think fashion kind of mm-hmm. is too, where it's like, if you're not already in the industry, they don't really want you. And back in the day, even an MBA was like, not really, um, I don't know, that's not the way people recruited. It was very much like you start at the bottom and you kind of move up and I don't know how you get a job to start in the beginning because right. it's so, you it's know like someone a, yeah, like or, I, or something. It just was, it was not so easy to do. Um, so it felt like, it felt very hard. Right. Um, I went to business school in an effort to change my career. So I came out of college and I was working at Accenture and consulting and I was like, I really don't want to do this. I want to go back and figure it out. So I went to USC. When I was at USC, I went to my career counselor and I said, you know, what I really want, I read all these books and I was like, what do I really want to do? I was doing a, what I called my quarter life crisis at yeah, the time. 
Um, and I was like, what I really want to do is work in the beauty industry, but I didn't know how to do it. And so the schools didn't come and recruit from, no one came to recruit at my school. There was no easy way to get there. Fight on. Fight on. Um, <laughs> um, and so I thought, okay, well, I actually, do you know who Jewie is? Jewie Wong from Olaplex? No, I don't. She's the CEO of Olaplex. Do you know Jewie? Yeah, you brought her for a oh, right. summer school. Jewie's the greatest. So Jewie actually was the first person who, shout out to mentors, because I know we yeah. have a lot. Yeah. Um, I interviewed with her when I was in business school, and she was at Murad, and she was like, listen, I'll give you an internship. But actually, what you should do is you should go interview for like L'Oreal and Estee Lauder and get that on your resume. Right. If you can't get it, come back here and I'll give you an internship. But try to get a big name brand on your resume right. and get that experience. And I was so grateful for that because she gave me like... Confidence too. Confidence and like a soft landing because totally. you're like, okay, well, I can now I can go try because I've right. got this in the bag Hail over Mary's. here. Like, let's just start throwing them. And I FedExed my resume... So this is all true story. I FedExed my resume to like, literally, I got all the addresses and I FedExed my resume to all these different people. And then obviously nothing happens. No one calls me. Um, I called and I would talk to like the assistant of like the president or whoever it was. And they'd be like, did, I'm like, did you get the FedEx? Yeah. And they were like, well, yes. Because <laughs> I wasn't writing to the HR team. Right, I was right, writing right. to like people I really shouldn't have been. Um, and they would say like, yes. And I was like, well, I'm coming to LA. I'd really like to meet, you know, Carol Ham Hamilton, who was like somebody I really shouldn't have been trying right, to meet. Right, right, right. <laughs> and um, they would say, yeah, actually, uh, okay, so you're coming. And they would, for whatever reason, they would make an appointment for me. Totally. And I was like, I'm gonna be there. So I came to New York and I was going up and down the different floors interviewing and I would show up and they would say, uh, yeah, you do have time on the calendar. So they would feel bad, but they would be like, Carol Hamilton is definitely not gonna talk to you, yeah. but let me see, see if I can else. find sure. someone. Right. Um, and so I was doing that. And then finally someone said to me, I was in an interview and they took a call and they were like, uh-huh, uh-huh, um, yes. She's like, are you interviewing at other places here? I'm like, oh, I'm interviewing everywhere. Like, literally every single brand <laughs> you have. Everyone has my resume in here. Yeah. <laughs> well, because L'Oreal has, like, Maybelline on one floor. Right, right, like, right. You know, every single Family floor brands, yeah. is a different brand. And they were like, forget it. You can go home. We'll give you a job. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Admired the scrappiness. Um, but to your point, like, I think part of it was, yeah, I think whether it was raising money or if you're talking about trying to break into the beauty industry in the first place, I think there's a bit of it where it's really intimidating. And part of what I'd like to be doing with Clean Beauty Summer School is providing access and creating an opportunity to, like, share that because I think it can be both intimidating and also, like, it's not super open. Like, now you can do things like go to business school or they have recruiting programs with L'Oreal and Estee Lauder and those right. people do. But especially if you're talking about indie brands, we don't have um, that same level of, I'm, I don't have a recruiting team, right. you know, who's going out there. And I've even found it for myself to recruit people. We really believe in diversity, but it's a part of it is a pipeline problem too. Totally. Like we need to give people the access and information. Yeah. And I, I, I wish it was more accessible. I, I have a funny analog story of someone we hired and it reminds me a lot of your story where we were interviewing her and she was like, yeah, like my style is I will go into an advertising agency and say like, I need to use the bathroom or like, like it, it's an emergency. Like, and there, you know, anyone's sitting there's like, okay, like go, go ahead. And then she's in the office and then she's just like, hi, like nice to meet you. Um, like, can you show me to so-and-so? I have a meeting. And then like would do some of that <laughs> those incredible scrappy stuff. Cause to your point, I, obviously it's a much different context 
Um, but I actually feel like it's so much harder now than it was even back then because I think now LinkedIn, like I don't know if you, I'm sure when you post things, like mm -hmm. you get so much mm -hmm. incoming. Right. That, I mean, we were, when I was looking for a job, I felt like I was competing with like my, maybe the people who were in the geographical area or the who's who that everybody knew each other. But now like everyone in the whole yeah. world can interview for a job. It's very yeah. confusing. Yeah. So Sandra, I want to turn over to you now. Um, while Amy has a very storied uh, history in the industry, yours is one of the most unique. And I think I think you'll see, like, it did probably prime you, like, this need to be a performer um, and set you up for some of this. But we start with Pistolera. Yeah, so I used to be the lead singer of a band, so no beauty industry experience whatsoever. I would write songs. I've played all over New York. I've played Central Park, Celebrate Brooklyn, Town Hall. Like, I thought I was put on earth to write songs. We got Breaking Bad, Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> yes, I've been on, uh, yeah, uh, like, my music has been on lots of TV shows and stuff. Um, but music is tough. I mean, all industries, I think, have changed. I used to sell compact discs at my concerts. Do you guys remember compact oh, discs? Yeah. Okay, Sweet. like in plastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I would like sign, like autograph them, like take the cellophane off. Um, had no one in my family was an entrepreneur, like had no like inclination that I would be running a beauty brand. Like if you had told me that 20 yeah. years ago, I'd be like, this psychic doesn't know what they're talking about, you right. know? Yeah. But um, I, but you know, music is tough. You know, it's like the, the income is like this. It's like, you're like in the trenches recording, yeah, so like, famine. yeah, and then like, then you go on tour, then you make money, and then you don't make money, you know. So I always had a day job in New York, you know. So I used to work at for health insurance, and also just because you need to have like five jobs when you live here, totally. you know, Tom, right? We're renting out the studio. We yeah, talked yeah, about this, this is where we live now. This, this is now my the apartment. Yeah, this is a nice couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nicer than my couch. Um, and so I used to work at Barnard College, so I was like a college administrator. So that was like oh, my. You easy... really have had lots of lives. Yes, I mean I'm 36, <laughs> so I, you know, I used to take three trains every day to the Upper West Side. I've always lived in Brooklyn, um, and that was like my easy, you know, day job because then I would like I needed my energy, you know, my creative brain, like to make music and everything. And I was on the school schedule, right? Like you have kids, so we yeah. know, like we have summers off and we had spring break, so that's when I would tour. So like I was like I did that for like 18 years, you know. Um, but then I fell into CPG by accident. That's a whole other story for another like TED talk someday. <laughs> and um, and that's where I really gained a lot of experience, like in the trenches of like that's where I learned like margins and branding and like marketing, yeah. just like understanding all of that. And CPG is like super cutthroat. I mean, like you know, we're in front of Whole Foods right now. It's like how many beverages, yeah. how many protein bars. Totally. I mean, like. I mean, yeah. do, you, do you think the beauty industry is less cutthroat? <laughs> I think. Like, I, well, I really? think it's nicer. Yeah, CPG is mostly male. Um, it's a different vibe. It's very antiquated, you know, that's a whole other thing. But anyway, long story short, I found myself unemployed at the age of 43. And I was like, great, I'm 43. I have a child. I have no savings. I have $86,000 of student loan debt. I have credit card debt. Like, how did I get to this place? You know, yeah. like, how is this my life now? Like, this is kind of embarrassing, you know, like, and if I'm going to change it, it's not going to be because I'm going to go work for like another CPG brand. It's not going to be like getting another like college job that, you know, that's not paying me enough to save, you know, to like build, you know, a college fund for my child. So I was like, I'm going to have to build something. And it was a really scary moment. Yeah. But I was like, actually grateful for that moment because I would have never done but it if I had not been doing pushed. this during COVID too. I launched during COVID. You yes. launched during COVID. Yeah. When I had the idea, Which is it wasn't COVID crazier. yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't, I didn't have the idea during COVID. I, I had the idea that it came to me in 2019. That's when I was unemployed. Uh -huh. And, um, and I was standing there at my parents' house, like looking at their cactus plant in their front yard, like everyone has in California. And I was like, how come no one's built a beauty brand around this plant? 
And how come also there's no like nice, beautiful, like luxury Latina beauty brands? Right. You know, because it's so Eurocentric. It's like, it's, you know, L'Occitane and Givenchy and yeah. Chanel. Everything is like, we've always been taught to like aspire to like Western Europe, yeah. you know? Right. And, and if it's like Latino people associate that with value, right? Yeah. It's like, why is it lower cost, lower price? And I'm like, it's time to like change that. And yeah. as a musician, I always celebrate the culture. So Pistolera, I sang in Spanish, it right. was Latin rock, right? So I just transferred the mission over to a product instead yeah. of instead of like music, right? So, uh, but I had no industry experience whatsoever. I was like, how do I get products made? How do I find ingredients? How do I do anything? So I got served an ad, thank you, Facebook, because um, <laughs> I was like searching for ingredients or like manufacturers and uh, got served an ad for Formula Botanica, which is a formulation school based in you the sure UK. sure it wasn't on a truck? Just And enrolled in formulation school on my Amex and wow. uh, studied formulation for nine months. And then, you know, called my designer. Luckily, I did have a great relationship with a designer back from when I worked at CPG. And I was like, Abby, you need to design my brand. Here's what it is. It's a high-end Latina brand. It needs to be bold, colorful. It's going to be in Spanish. Like, built a whole brand deck around it. I didn't have money to pay for branding either, so I was like, can we do a payment plan? Yeah. And also, can we spread it out over five months? And can I also pay you with my Amex? <laughs> so, I mean, I everything remember was on you a payment saying plan. you put everything on your credit card, yes. which is like so different from what I did, and yeah. I have so much respect for it in the same way, though. Like, it is. I didn't have a ch I felt like I didn't have a choice. I'm right. sure, yeah. but I, I know, but yeah. like, it's. Um, it's just a different, like, you have to, yeah. mentally, you have to be able to digest it differently. Right. Totally. And like because I've moments. just yeah. had so much debt my whole life, I was like, what's another 10 grand on my credit right, card? Right, right. You know, I mean, I already have $80,000 of student loan debt. I already have, you know, credit card debt. So um, then I just went into, like, full, like, work beast mode. I was like, I, I got three jobs. I started working for Van Loo and Ice Cream. I started CPG consulting at night. Um, and I was working for High Bar, so I was like wow. sales rep, like in the trenches. Shout out High Bar, yes. Whole yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I had like one job to pay rent, one job to pay off debt, and like one job to fund my brand. And it's so, like that's how I looked at it, and I was like, this is gonna suck. And and raising a child. And raising a yeah. child, and raising and a child, like yeah. <laughs> and raising a child, um, and. That's just what I did. I was like, this is, you know, when you know it's going to be temporary, like you can do anything, you know? Yeah. Because um, I knew I wasn't going to like work three jobs and like be formulating at night well, forever. Well, you do also what you have to do. Yeah. I was like, what other choice do I have? I have no other like professional skills. I didn't go to business school. I was like, I can write songs, but it's not going to change my life yeah. anymore. So yeah. anyway, that's yeah. the story. And so there's <laughs> a lot There's a lot of like family and culture built into the Nopalera brand. Can you sort yeah. of take us through those roles and, and the influence that have sort of inspired the brand and, uh, and potentially the band as well. Yeah, I feel very fortunate that my parents who are Mexican have always really been proud of who they are. Yeah. And so they forced me to speak Spanish. Like everything that they forced me to do as a child, like take piano lessons, speak Spanish, like I have made that my career. Do you know what I mean? Like right. I have a brand that celebrates our culture, you know, um, I played music, you know, for a living. Um, so I just really, like, I feel like they passed down that confidence to me. I, I honestly can't take credit for it because I have a very, very strong, like, badass mother who is, yeah. came as an immigrant, you know, as an adult, spoke no English, put herself through college, became an immigration lawyer, and now she's, like, wow. an immigration expert, always, like, on Univision. Wow. She's in the Women's Hall of Fame in San Diego. Oh, my gosh. And she's still alive, you know? So having, like, a super badass mother obviously has impacted my life, you wow. know? Yeah. And, I, and now as a mother myself, I mean, Amy is a mom, too. Like, totally. 
I feel like one of the biggest gifts we can give our child is self-esteem and confidence. Oh, for sure. And like, I think it's more important role modeling it too. Role modeling it too. Awesome. Yeah. So you mean to tell me that I can integrate my shop with you in less than a minute? You store all my inventory across your 50 plus fulfillment centers in the US, Canada, UK, Europe, and Australia, and then fulfill all of my orders globally with over a 99% order accuracy rate? That's right. We do that for over 7,000 brands today. And you can do that for all my D2C, B2B, and Amazon orders? Yep. And when my next TikTok video goes viral or during the holiday rush, you can grow with me forever? Yes, again. Dang. That's the ship, Bob. Check out ShipBob at ShipBob.com to unlock your fulfillment provider that acts as your personal chief supply chain officer. All right, so we're getting to stop two here. So we're going to get into some uh, <laughs> brand-specific questions. Sandra, we're going to start with you. I think, um, got to talk Shark Tank. Can't not talk Shark uh, Tank. So yes. cool. Um, and so I think, you know, when I thought of what the audience would be interested in is just really like the behind-the-scenes elements of it all. So um, I've learned a lot from you about how, like, it's filmed for much longer than it actually is. It's shot sometimes a year in advance not everyone gets aired so can you sort of just like unpack the, what the experience was for you and yeah. also like all those things that are non-obvious to people who you're just tuning in on a, a daily basis yeah so everything you just said you i applied i think like in february i filmed in july and then it aired oh that's fast in like is it february is and then july february march april may june july yeah I mean, so. I don't know. But then how it long. didn't air. Yeah. I, we have no frame of reference. <laughs> I don't know frame of reference, but <laughs> and then it aired in the January. Accelerator, the Clean Beauty School. The, the, it was a much quicker turnaround. Yeah. Who's Sandra? Shout out to who's the? Oh, Shoda. Shoda. Yeah. Shoda. Shout out to Shoda for keeping Shoda, that, Shoda. that running yeah, like yeah. A, a whistle. Yes, but I guess like from end to end, right? From like when I applied to when it actually airs, like that's almost a year. Right? right. So like yeah. it aired in January. I just got re-aired. Oh, that's true. Years, years long. Time. Yeah. A brand can die in that time where it takes a year to 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 go live. Yeah. So I think it's a great it's a once in a lifetime experience to be on Shark Tank, and I honestly it wasn't my original inspiration to be on the show. Another founder friend of mine was like, "You should apply to Shark Tank," and Who I was, was like, uh, "Her name is Mabel. She's okay. from Luna Magic, another oh, Latina I know founder." Her. Yeah. And I was because she was on Shark Tank. She yeah. was like, "You should apply to be on Shark so Tank." So many people, I feel like now. So I know. many beauty brands. It's true. Like, like Euphoria, yeah, Christina so, from so Fifty Four. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, "Did you really need investment, or did you need content to monetize yeah. ads against?" So, <laughs> I mean, I also not a bad no idea. disrespect. Everyone I know I've says had, it's some of their best performing ads. I've had people tell me that we should go on yeah. Shark Tank, yeah. and I'm like, "But I wouldn't. I don't have yeah, that one deal. Yeah, like right. those deals don't seem. I don't know. Yeah." When, so I was in a radically different place as a founder and as a business when I applied. Right. And then, you know, by the time I actually was filming, I was now in the middle of a fundraise. Like, lots of things mm. had changed, you right. know? Uh, so there's a couple things about Shark Tank. Number one, it's like a part-time job, right? Like, you, oh. you, there's so much preparation. Like, everything has to be vetted. My earrings, my tattoos, I take oh, pictures really? of everything. Like, the speech, really? everything oh, is, like, rehearsed. There's lots of, you meet with producers, like, every other week. Oh, this is so a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And then you have to you have to build your own display, like, and of course it has to get approved. So like that's coming out of your pocket. Right. Oh. Um, and then it's a lot of like hurry up and wait. Then you're like there, and then it's like you're in your green room. You have you don't know what time it is, you know. And then you're actually in the tank, and it's dead quiet. And that's something is that it no intimidating? one. Is it intimidating? Well, it's like 
It's, I mean, right now, it's that we're in New York. <laughs> but I was like, it's like, it's like yeah. this. Where no, were you? Asana's used to this ambient noise at all times, because she lives in New York. Well, because when you see the show, it's like all cut up, and it's like dramatic, and right. it's like, it feels fast. fast. True, true. It feels it's like violins fast. and it's stuff going. It's not fast in real life, you know? And so they have to, everyone has to like overact to give that kind of energy. You know, like they interrupt oh. each other on purpose, because like it has to come across like fiery. It must be long days for them, too. It's super long. Like also, they're, they're like falling asleep. It's an entertainment show first. Yeah. It is 100% a television show, number one. And right. they're yeah. very clear about that. And so that's why, Tom, like, they were like, don't say yes if you don't mean, really mean yes, because if you say yes, and then we hear that you're like yanking Mark Cuban's chain in diligence, we won't air your episode. I was like, oh. okay. So then in that case, <laughs> oh, in that man. case, I'm just going to go in and be ready for it to go in either direction, you right. know? Mm. So I had like my my thoughts prepared like what happens if they say yes what happens if they say no yeah like, you have How to prepare for both you have stuff. no idea i mean fiona yeah. from before went on she got a deal a single digit equity deal normally they hate single equity totally. digit, right they don't like anything below they're 10%. sharks right yeah you know, as opposed to the sort of the blood in the water yeah. yeah so uh but obviously you know when people are like you went on there for the exposure. I'm like, everybody goes on yeah. there for the exposure. <laughs> Are you calling me out? Because that's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then what happened? And then I made the $300,000 in the two weeks after that in yeah. sales, which is what they would have given, you know, they wanted 30% yeah. equity in for. In two weeks? Yeah. All right. So take, take us through what happened with the sharks <laughs> and then what happened immediately after. On it. your own.com? Yeah. Well, it was on our website and Amazon together, oh, the wow. combination. Yeah. And presumably that's a lot more than you were normally doing. Totally. <laughs> yeah. It was like, like and 500% you had inventory? growth. We prepared. Yeah, we prepared because I was like, I'm just going to go on there and make a good television show. It yeah. doesn't matter if I say yes or no. Like, that's totally. Like, they, all they how want is good television. How do you forecast for something like that, though? When you put I it asked all the other founders. Amazon right beforehand for, to prep, right? Yes, because luckily, there's a lot of beauty founders now who have been on there. And oh. I, I was like, okay, what? how many orders Again, did you get? So important to have resources. Yeah, mm -hmm. how many orders did you get? And everyone was like, prepare to have 3,000 of everything. Okay. That's oh, kind that's of the medium, uh -huh. right? Like, 3,000 orders. And then our warehouse called, and they were like, Oh, no, 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 no. You're going to get like six, like double that because we had a baby brand who was on there, like this old baby clothing. They oh, got wow. 7,000 orders. And so I was like, okay, let's prepare for the best scenario. Yeah. So we doubled our POs, like, you know, but it's scary That's because great. it's like the cash flow totally. output. Like you have to yeah. buy that inventory in advance and then you're like, you still don't know if it's going to air. And Shark Tank is like, you ABC. don't know if it's going to air no. even if you film. They don't know. Not everyone airs. So can you imagine that like, going through like nine months of preparation? Yeah. You're in the tank. You go through all that anxiety. You're and then the episode too. still does not air. So a lot of people's episodes don't air. They, it's like, like airplane. Percentage? I don't know, but it's yeah, like too much. Whatever yeah. it is, it's, you know, I just my heart breaks for those people, you know? So, and then they give you three weeks notice. So like you have like to the to the inventory question, Amy. Like you have you know it doesn't takes more than three weeks yeah. to get inventory made. <laughs> yeah. So you it takes you me a lot more. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, like especially like now with COVID and you know whatever. Yeah. So you have to like hope for the best and like put out that you know cash flow to like get that inventory, have it in your warehouse, like ready to go, yeah. in hopes that you get the email that your episode airs, and then you get an email three weeks in advance. And then I was like, okay. Then it was like pre mortem. Now we're doing like pre mortem meetings at Nobelera. So. So that everyone's prepared going into anything before you die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just like post mortem, like how did how did the launch go? Like the pre mortem meeting, yeah. and uh, and yeah, the team like killed it. Like yeah, we had everything the ready to go. The cocktail party, the live uh, oh, yeah. Instagram live cocktail party. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so we had the inventory, we had the assets, we had like everyone was like we had the we You're kicked ready. all the tires on the you know the SMS apps and like had everything on the website ready to go, and then it just went smoothly. And um, yeah, we got six thousand orders. Damn. 
Yeah. And, and then there's like it continues, right? Like Right, so. it re aired. And then it re aired two months later, which is unheard of. Do they even tell you that it's re airing? They gave me one day notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Love they're like, love and, and they're that. always like, please respond within 24 hours. And I'm like, okay. Because then, they, do they need your approval? I don't know why they need me to respond. Yeah. I don't know why. You're probably doing it anyway. You're probably signed. signed yeah. 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 But so in the tank, I got two offers right. one from Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful. Hey. Uh, and then Daniel Lubeski came in to try to save me from. Kevin O'Leary's Sharky deal, uh, and both of them wanted, you know, Kevin was like 30% of your company for $300,000, and then Daniel Lubeski was like, well, I need 25% of your company, and I'll give you $300,000, and I was like, thank you to both of you, however, no, yeah, because right. this is a brand about self-worth, and can you, like, I would just not be staying true to the brand values if yeah. I was just undercutting myself and underselling my brand, yeah. so my ancestors are whispering in my ear, they're telling me to not... Yeah devalue myself so thank you but goodbye yeah and that was a viral moment for us because it just galvanized the community like yeah. yes thank god you said no like we everyone wants to like stand in their worth everyone every woman can relate to like being underpaid and being yeah. undervalued and so it really was a moment for the community to like Good rally for you. around that yeah that's so awesome all right so on the topic of demystification um and you have some of the only products i think the only products um that follow the eczema board guidelines. And so I sort of want to talk about formulation and demystify yeah. that for people because at least from where I'm sitting, it's something I know like next to ne zero about. <laughs> and so like, you know, ingredient sourcing and how you're testing all this stuff. And like, I don't know, for, for people who want to start a company, right? All that stuff seems so inaccessible. So I'd love for you to sort of break it down and, and your, the process that goes into it. Yeah, so I think for, so by the way, to clarify, we, the National Eczema Association was actually something I was following as a consumer right. to understand like, I don't know, what kind of soap to buy and what kind of detergent to use and those types of things. We're the only beauty brand that 100% complies. So if you right. look at like Aveeno uses them, a lot of the brands you see in the drugstore that, um, use it for like, but most brands use it for one product in their whole line. Oh, and so okay. they'll do like one eczema friendly product out of like 200. For us, we adhere to it for every single product that we make. Um, so that's just a point of clarification. Okay. Um, in terms of, if your question is how do you get products made, I think it's really dependent for every brand depending on what your value proposition is and what your unique selling proposition is. For us, my product philosophy is very much clean, safer, sensitive skin and performance. And so when I think about that, we follow, I, I truly believe that I am not an expert in terms of, I'm not a chemist, right. I'm not sitting, I'm not a doctor or dermatologist. And so I really rely heavily on third party um, credibility. Right. So we are clean at Sephora, we're clean at Credo, we're clean at Goop. And so we're taking their no-no lists because they're spending a lot of time and effort to figure out like, what that means and this is a really murky time for clean because right. as you know like what does clean mean mm -hmm. right right there is no governing body the industry is incredibly unregulated and so i'm trying to make sure that we're not out there making promises that we don't have enough information around to me the idea of clean is like if it feels like an insurance policy to me so it's like if i can make products in a way that i can avoid ingredients that might harm you then why wouldn't I do that, especially if I can do it without sacrificing performance and anything else? So then the second layer I add to that is we do adhere by the National Eczema Association's no-no list, which is a totally different list, has nothing to do with clean, it's just about irritation. And then third party, we do a lot of testing. So 
then we, so we start with a, a no-no list. We're like, we won't use, we won't use, we won't use. Right. Um, then we go into it and we formulate and we're like, okay, this, but we have to achieve these performance right. attributes. Um, then I get to the point where we like it and then we test it. So testing actually in the beauty industry is really unregulated because you don't have to do it, right? The FDA isn't going to come after you unless somebody calls it out or something like that. My so thing is, is that because it's cosmetic, but cosmetics also like go into your bloodstream, right? Like, I mean, your skin's your body's biggest organ. What you right. put on your skin does go into your bloodstream. It's just today, it's very much a self-regulated industry. And yeah. so there is danger, there is liability. There's actually, do you know what Mokra is? Mokra mm -hmm. is a new, um, things are changing and I think it's a good thing. Beauty Counter did a great job of kind of alerting, I think not only the consumer, but the government of kind of how hard it is for consumers when these things aren't regulated. I think there are obviously Sephora, Credo, they're all doing a good job as retailers too, to kind of help regulate these right. industries too. Um, but we do a lot more testing than the average beauty brand does. So for instance, we do stability compatibility, which are most people I think try to do those. But on top of that, we do like irritation patch testing on humans. We do to get the NEA seal, you actually have to third party do irritation patch testing on humans to make sure that not only like on a human you're showing over, it's like they put it on every single day over a period of 30 days. And then it's not them feeling like it's not irritated. It's a dermatologist reviewing their skin. Interesting. Okay. And saying it's not irritated. Um, and Sounds then like those allergy shots, yeah. you know, but like for 30 days straight. Yeah. But there's somebody like actually looking at it and saying like, oh, your skin's not irritated. And do you need pe people predisposed to like, so we actually do. do yes. Yeah, so we actually have to, we go one step further. We have to recruit people who deem themselves right. people with sensitive skin. Totally. Um, so it is, it's difficult. And then we submit to the National Eczema Association along with the ingredients, along with the testing. And depending on the product, for instance, when we did our SPF product, we also had to do phototoxicity testing, which I was like, what is phototoxicity? And it's essentially like when the sun hits this product, it doesn't, even if the product alone isn't going to create irritation, when the sun hits it, the does it then, the, the combination of it, create irritation. Damn, so involved. So we have to do all of this testing, not By just- By the way, it's expensive. Yeah. And it's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive. And it's like anything Did we're- you do this too? Yes, not as much because we're not yeah, you know, yeah. in the eczema world, but yes. Yeah, there's so yeah, much it's, more. It's just a very much it. part of our ethos. Right. Um, and then claims testing, right? So if you see us say something like, like for anything around our eyes, like our mascara, we're doing ophthalmologist testing. We're doing like a lot of those types of things. Um, but it is, it's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, wow. it's a longer process. So it takes us 12 to 18 months to launch a product. Have you gotten, and it's obviously it's not something we talked about, have you ever gotten support from the National Eczema Association? You'd think they'd be all we, over. We like, pay them. You pay them. <laughs> well, we pay them for the seal, to right, use right, the right. Oh, seal. Okay. Um, but they are great partners. Yeah, I think sure. we've done a great job of really trying to promote them as an organization. Right. I will say about them, like there's actually a lot of programs and seals out there that are, you just sign a contract saying that you adhere. Right. Which maybe you do, maybe you don't, but the truth is they're not checking. Mm -hmm. um, the National Eczema Association is legitimate. They are, they have a very serious process and they're not, like I've tried to be like, well, what if, can you speed this up if I give you more money? Because right. I just need it faster. Can you push it through your doctors? And they're like, no, this is our process. We're gonna do it really slowly. We're gonna, you know. So I actually 
I have to say I really respect it. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have a compliance person internally? Because it's also so much work. Yes. Yeah. Um, we actually do it third party. Oh, okay. Um, but it's hard. It's just a lot of paperwork. It's a I lot mean, of paperwork. There's just so many, yeah, like all of those accreditations and approvals. Well, and it's all What changing. you left with in terms of ingredients when you've gone through like 17 different yeah. things, you know? You know, and I, I, I actually try to be really careful around this. I don't know how you feel, Sandra, but like the clean thing is like we definitely want to make sure that we have like the right preservative system oh, yes. that the product really works yes. like all of that i think yeah. has been um hard for the clean industry yes. recently totally. um but i think the other thing that comes up now is sustainability is really important too so we've also made this huge effort we have what we call our our sensitive program yeah or pledge i should say and that 50 percent to 100 percent of every single product is made with recycled plastic now in terms of the, the packaging. Oh, wow, okay. Um, which has been a huge push for us. And even like our boxes we make out of FSC, which is um, the Forestry <laughs> Stewardship Council to make sure that it's sustainable. Um, and then I think the next thing that we're really going to start seeing in the industry is that a lot of the... Um, <laughs> I love it. I need some too. I need a refresh. <laughs> I need a refresh. Thank you. Um, but I think the next thing that we're going to see in terms of ingredients is that there's going to be more attention placed on not just the packaging, but on the ingredients, making sure that those are sustainably sourced too. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, can we get that zoom in on slow-mo and post-production? <laughs> yeah, I don't have hair to shake. Oh, so nice. I love, well, I mean, I'm gonna peel yeah, that well, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so I, you know, it's all so fascinating. And I mean, there's clearly so much more involved than I think I even knew, and, and I thought it was complicated to begin with. But um, let's get to another complicated topic and talk about fundraising. So, Sandra, you just raised 2.7 million dollars from Latitude, led by Latitude Ventures, right? Yes. And so I want to talk about a few different things. One, how that's come together, and also what that comes with in terms of the high expectations for growth and, and the need to like really get out there and play offense and, and how that's been an evolution for how you've traditionally built the business. Because now you're playing almost in a completely different arena than you were in the early days. Yeah, it's not me with my Amex making the products in my Brooklyn kitchen I mean, anymore. Thank God, thank actually, right. thank God. Uh, so the thing with fundraising, I also, like Amy was saying earlier, like I had no idea how to fundraise. Yeah. I was like, what is a term sheet? What does this oh. mean? What does that mean? One of the many accelerators I was in, or cohorts, was the Tributy Ventures Mentorship mm -hmm. Program with Rich and Christina, who yep. I know you know, who are fantastic people. I still remain in a Slack channel with them to this day, and I use them as mentors because I yeah. still have questions, you right. know? I mean, I do too. Yeah, <laughs> even though I've raised, and I have investors, like, I still lean on Tributy Ventures, like, for, for questions about just how it works. But uh, I think one of my biggest, <laughs> one of my biggest learnings, honestly, was that money begets money. Once you have money, people want to give you more money, which is also why life is unfair, right? It's like, right. why do celebrities yeah. get things for free? It's like, they don't need things for free. They have money yeah. to pay for, but people want to give them stuff for free. And so really experiencing that firsthand was really fascinating to me. Yeah. I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm actually getting to experience this because in the beginning, there was no, when you have no lead investor. Well, there's also such a herd mentality around these things, so which true. is why it's so yes. helpful to get that lead investor yeah. makes such a difference because yeah. it's like someone has been like first money exactly. in if and I, been yeah. like, I can do it. And yeah. then everybody else is like, wait, I'll do it. Yeah. They're if, like, wait, it's too late. If I can yeah. go back in time, I, I almost regret focusing on anything except the lead because the second yeah. you get the lead, it, everything's done like that day. Yeah. yeah, I had to say no to people at the end who right. were texting me like, is it too late? I'm like, yes, it is too late. I need to close this around and move on with well, my life. And I think to be in a position where you're not like, I feel like when I was raising, I was like so 
I wanted it so badly that I was like, I'll take money. I felt like it was a one-way conversation, mm, like mm -hmm. whoever wanted to give me uh -huh. money. And now, and gratefully, like I raised from great people, yeah. but I think I see a lot of founders yes. who are like getting in bed with the wrong people yes. and then they're yeah. mad that those people in their cap table. Yeah. Totally. And it's totally. like you're choosing them as much as they're choosing you. It should be more about yes. that than just the check. Yes, and that is my advice always to founders who are like, what, sh what should I be looking for? I'm like, what else are they giving you besides the money? Because it can't yeah. just be the money. Do they have resources? Do they have connections? Do they have relationships? Do they have... Those are the things that you want from your investors too, yeah. right? Uh, because once you raise money and they're on your cap table, like you're married to them. Right. Well, and you, like for me, I don't have... Not that my investors are not helpful, but a lot of them are just like my friends yeah. from past life and things like that. And but it makes me motivated because I feel like oh, I'm making money for people who like really believed in me yeah. and really care about me, totally. as opposed to like being like sharky investors yeah. or something. Totally, totally, yeah. totally. And talk to us about Latin. What's uh, what's yeah. their amount? Yeah, I mean, fortunately, we live in this moment in history where now we have venture funds comprised of Latino venture capitalists who want to fund right? other Latino yeah. founders, like. This That's is, amazing. we live in a new era. Right. This was not possible 10 years ago, you know? Yeah. But nine, not even nine, five years 99 ago. 99% white male, yeah. like just yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. And it's still, I think, yeah. a huge issue. I mean, the but numbers of like the percentage of women, what is it, like 1% or something oh, yeah. of women have been able to raise? And then within that, women of color is like. Oh, I know. I can't believe I'm in the top 2% now of right. Latinas that have raised over, you know, a million dollars. Oh, yeah. you know? It's like you and Eva. I know. Mod. I know. She's on tomorrow. Oh. oh. You know, Eva used to work for me at Josie Mary. Oh my God. I'm going to have to. Ask tell her, her about I said that. hi. Tell her I said hi too. Yeah. She just signed up to be a mentor for Clean Beauty Summer School. Yes. There we go. I wanted her to be my mentor, and I was like, damn it. Okay, no, Michelle's cool. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's, she's the four, too. I mean, yes. that's like right they now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But yeah, yes. so Latu, tell us, tell us about that story, so, how that came together. Uh, I think it was, I, I was also like trying to, who has money? How, how do I even meet people with money? Right. Because again, it's like when you're on the outside, I was like, it's, oh. it's like, how do I even. Yeah. Who are the venture capitalists? What? How, right. Who are these people? How do they have money? I mean, it was just so fascinating <laughs> to me. But again, once you meet one venture capitalist, you meet three because yes. they all people with money know other people with money, just For like sure. people without money know other people without money, <laughs> like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know a lot of poor musicians, you right. know, and venture capitalists know a lot of other venture capitalists. So, yeah. um, you know, once I met, you know, I was just like looking and looking and looking, and then actually it was my publicist who's also Latina, and I was like, you know, Karina, do you know anyone? I'm like. I'm in the trenches right now. I'm like taking meetings with anybody that will take meetings with me. And she's like, oh, why don't, why don't you call Latitude Ventures? They invested in Kayla Agua Bonita, another Latina founder. Hey, Kayla, shout out. Shout out to Kayla. And, um, and yeah, so that's how I got connected was that. And so I like looked them up. I didn't even have to, I wasn't like, I was too impatient to wait for them to introduce me. So I just went to their website. I applied on their website and I got an email. So we had a meeting and, you know, that conversation, these conversations of the courtship take forever. You yeah. Know? Um, and then, of course, all the rich people go on vacation in the summer, and I was right. like, in the right. summer is like when I needed the money. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I was, you know, you just have to like build off of the momentum. So I was talking to Unilever Ventures, I was talking to, you know, anybody, right? Like big firms, and, um, and then Latitude finally was just like, okay, we want you to stop talking to other people. We want to lead the round, you know, so like, let's do this. I was like, okay. When I see the money, then yeah. I will stop talking to other people. Yeah, it's um, like dating, you know. <laughs> really? You're like, you are we getting married? I don't know. But they, um, yeah. So they came. They once they decided they wanted to be the lead, then the rest, you know, the angels fell into place. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Then there were like six angels. Cool. So we just talked about Eva and Maude and Sephora. So 
Amy, I want to talk about um, Tower 28's expansions for us. Yeah. You have a... I feel famous when I see Amy. I, I like, know. I know I'm like, don't you know her? And I'm wearing Tower I walk 28 on my in, face. I walk in, like, do you need help? I'm like, no. I'm yeah. like, literally just checking out my friends. Oh. <laughs> um, but and I'm like, this is the one I use. It's called Brand New. Yeah. <laughs> Solo brand end cap. Um, I think that's so awesome. So I think let's start early days, the, the getting into Sephora story and then sort of how it's progressed and also just like, you know, the process of this end cap. I saw the viral video of you, Aww, you, you releasing it with your children. I mean, oh my God, that was so touching. <laughs> I teared up. I yeah, it was like, oh, actually, so it was beautiful. so beautiful. Yeah. But, um, it was a real moment. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I know. I didn't know that That's probably why it went viral, the authenticity yeah. of it. My, so, to recap, so we actually posted this on TikTok recently, and in two days, it's at 1.1 million views oh organically. Like, we didn't boost it. The kids it. get in the bed, you know, you got you the father in the business now, the kids. <laughs> That's it. Family putting business. them to work, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was a real moment. So we launched into, we've been at Sephora for four years, no, three and a half. We've been at Sephora for about three and a half years. We've been in store for three. Okay. And, um, but on a, multi-branded end caps. So we've had one half a shelf, then one shelf, then two shelves. This spring we went into 88 stores around the country, top markets, Epic. Um, with our own branded end cap, which is a really exciting moment, but it's kind of like going from, I'd like to say it's almost like going from living with roommates in your, and then moving into your own apartment, yeah, yeah, yeah. which has, it's like great, but then you have to clean your apartment. <laughs> you've got to pay the rent. You've got to like, you've got, rent is probably the wrong word, but you have to pay to like build it right. and maintain it essentially. So it's a big deal. I think the thing that people actually don't know is we actually passed on getting an end cap earlier. And I think we're one of the only people that have done that. So we were in, we went from half a shelf to one shelf, and they were like, do you want to go into your own end cap? And I was like, mm, nope, <laughs> I don't, not yet. And do they, do they, how does that process work? They they ask you, or do you have to like, people, your job, is there like people jockeying it, for I this? I think it depends on both, right? So sometimes I think people are asking for more space. Right. Like I would say people who want to grow faster and bigger, the way that they measure success is based on productivity. So if you think about it, it's like on a dollar per square foot basis, mm -hmm. okay. and then it's on a relative. So first it's dollar per square foot, and then it's an index relative to the other brands. So if I am, like whatever my subset is, if I'm able to perform as well as them, because they're trying to figure out, like if I give you the space, how much money can you move? Mm, versus it. I give it to like everybody else, right? How you're doing. And the other part of it is in the multi-branded end cap, they pay to create the shelf and the graphic strip and they're basically paying for it versus now I'm in my own thing and I have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So the expenses are much, much higher. Right. So I think, you know, just for anyone listening out there, I think there is a part of it where I feel like one of the things I've done and the reason why I didn't have to raise again and earlier was because I was able to take the, that space and be really productive in it. Right. And like almost be like bursting before going into this space and now I'm able to go into this space and do well in that as well. But I think it's really hard to make that balance because as business owners, all of us, you're trying to figure out, like we were talking about earlier, like when do you overinvest mm -hmm. right. and try to take that leap versus when do you just like act like you're like broke, if you will, and like right, try to right. like make scrap. what you're scrap, scrap. and yeah. you're just like, I just want to kill it in this one way yeah. first and then move on. Yeah. It takes a lot of discipline to do that, I think. Um, but in this particular instance, I'm really glad that we did. Yeah, that's so awesome. And is is there like, do you, obviously you're supporting it in a lot of different ways, but 
is there, do they try to like tie anything to like, hey, you're, you're graduating, like, yeah. you know, like you need to support this in XYZ way. I actually have found Sephora to be an incredible partner for yeah. us. And you guys I, are exclusive there? We're exclusive, um, meaning we're at Sephora, but we have a carve out so we can do things like Credo and Goop and Revolve. Yeah. We just can't go to like, I don't Ulta. know, like an Ulta or something yeah, got like it. that. But, um, I'm sort of, I always joke with my merchant that I'm a commitment kind of girl. I've been with my husband for 20, you, you know, like we've yeah. been together for a long time. And I feel like one thing I learned in my career was like, if I can just focus on something and I can do it really well, it takes as much effort to do that than it does like, you know, if you do a bunch of little things, so, it takes like up half so much work. Right. Right. Yeah. So if I can just make this work really well, yeah. it's great. But I would say Sephora definitely like expects us to... They expect us to support the business, but they don't necessarily tell us how to do it. Right. So yeah. they just want us to obviously do well and make sure that we're kind of earning that space. Right. And they probably um, trust you at that point, right? Like you said, it is sort of like dating where, you know, yeah. And I, they know it's a big moment. They know you as an operator and totally. how you plan to, you're probably going to find something better than that, better than probably what they would have dreamed up, right? Because you're, you're this well, scrap, yes, scrappy, yes, like. and I think if we weren't doing well, maybe they would be like, okay, do this, do this, do right, this. I don't really know, yeah. but there might, there is a playbook for sure. And there's certain things we haven't totally turned on yet, right? So for instance, my kind of competitive subset has probably like 20 people in the field working and standing inside the store selling products. We have one person on right. our team right now and then in addition to that we do headcount which is one of the mm -hmm. sponsors yeah. um which it's like a third party version of it so we're kind of tiptoeing into it and figuring out some of these things um but yes you do have to support it i'm on my 28 day store tour right now <laughs> because we're going in and gratising people and training and right. Um, you know, it obviously means, it means something, I think, to, and it means something to me, too, to go into these stores and have them really hear my story directly um, and know that there's a, put a face to the name and understand and be able to, like, thank them for helping us really bring our products to life to the consumer. Yeah. I oh. think the in-person stuff is so thing, something that people, like, new founders don't really understand like how analog it is like you have to physically show up yeah. to a brick and mortar store totally. and tell your story over and over and over it's again like noah from ruby was on yesterday i mean it's yeah. demos well, every single week and every single team on his every single person on his team does it every week exactly yeah. like i learned that from cpg right you learn so like, much it's so analog well, it's not like you get into the store and like and then like magic just happens and it's also not a one-way relationship mm -hmm. right because part of it is yes i'm downloading but at the same time i'm like tell me what's happening yeah. in the store because totally. the the yeah. i'm like all do do people actually understand like in a in a very literal way now that we have like a an actual end cap yeah it's like okay well can you even see the packaging like is it hard mm -hmm. to figure out your shade is it mm -hmm. you know so stop three sort of brand intersection questions things that i sort of as i was preparing thinking you guys would either have Sort of one question that you could both answer, and you might have different takes, you might have similar takes on that, but I think it'd be interesting to hear your perspectives. Looks great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Sandra, I want to talk, and I want to talk, I want your perspective, and then I'll get Amy's, obviously, as the creator of it, but I want to talk about Tower 28's Clean Beauty School, and um, what that experience was like going through that program. And obviously, you've been part of other accelerators, so talking about the uniqueness of it in the context of building your business. I think hearing from other founders who are five steps ahead of you is like the most valuable yeah, thing that any founder could ever ask for so i think i said that earlier like just that's what makes you know clean beauty summer school so unique compared to other accelerators is that it's other founders it's founders yeah. leading founders 
And what a beautiful thing, you know? Right. Because I feel like we're in this moment of generosity right now. Yeah, you know, for sure. to your point we we're talking earlier, like it used to be so hard, like how do I climb the castle wall? Right. And people like Amy are creating these like spaces where we get to commune with each other and really learn and just accelerate, right? So instead of it taking yeah. me 10 years to find out these answers, I can learn in a day. Totally. Sure, learning curve. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely believe in collaboration over competition. I remember when I was working at L'Oreal back in the day, like even within the brands, if you were going in the elevator, you had to put like a sheet over the product when you were going up and down oh the God. elevator because you couldn't see right, what you right, were doing. Right. And it was very much like you never share right. things. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I sort of believe that it's all about execution. Totally. Like ideas are kind of a dime Look a at dozen. All the oh public. God. There's so many people on this show that are building public people and like yeah. the benefits of it I think really outweigh the detriments yeah. totally like I like looking I look at food I look at like I look a lot yeah. of other industries mm -hmm. I look within our own industry like I learned about Agile because another beauty founder was doing it. Alamade. Alamade. Shout out to Alamade. Shout and, out. And I also found out about because I found out from Alamade from Clean Beauty Summer School. Yes. And we had a a founder made truck in our origin I know. Story. I know. We got our Tower 28 one. I might need more than one of these because I have uh, two children here. <laughs> <laughs> Amy needs three trucks. And, a, need and a team. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Over 7,000 customers like Pet Lab, Chamberlain Coffee, Hero Cosmetics, Spike Ball, Dossier, TB12, Pit Viper, 100 Thieves. Tens of millions of packages shipped every year. 50-plus fulfillment centers across the U.S., Canada, U.K., Europe, and Australia. An app store with 50 plus integrations like Shopify, Amazon, NetSuite, and many more. Managed inventory distribution, D to C and B to B fulfillment capabilities. 99.96% of order shipping on time. 99.95% order accuracy rate. Yep, we're talking about ShipBob again. We know picking a fulfillment partner or 3PL is not easy. And equally importantly, we know you never want to have to move or pick another one. That's why we partnered with ShipBob. From zero to 100 million in sales, ShipBob has you covered. But yeah, so to, Amy, could you tell us about the origin story, like the genesis of the Clean Beauty School? Yeah. How did it get started? What was the motivation for starting it? What were, you know, how does that sort of um, all come together in the end? Yeah, well, so I guess I'll take you back to 2019 when really clean, that was back when the um, kind of Black Lives Matter hit a fever pitch, right? And I think everybody was like posting a black square and... I was kind of like, oh, people were like, don't, don't be performative. And I was like, I don't want to be performative, but I don't know what else I can do, right. right? And I think that's the hardest thing is when you feel like you want to make a difference, but you don't know how to, it's very disempowering. And I think in my life, I've also been never an influencer. I've never had a platform of any influence. Um, but I have been a worker bee for a long time. And because of that, I actually do have pretty deep connections in the beauty industry. So one day I got an email, true story, to our hey at Tower 28 Beauty. Um, and I was the one checking it at the time. Right. And it said, um, I don't know if you're going to be giving out money because Glossier had given out grants. Right. And they were like, if you're giving out money, can I be a, you know, a, a recipient of the, of the grant? And it was from a BIPOC beauty founder. And I wrote her back and I was like, I, ironically, I just applied for a loan. <laughs> so I'm not in a position to give anyone any grants. However, um, I would love to like get on a call with you and see if there's anything I can do to help you. And I think I talked to her for maybe 45 minutes. And afterwards, she wrote me the nicest email saying how much it meant to her and how helpful it was. And I just thought, well, what can I do to scale this? And I literally thought of Clean Beauty Summer School. I texted a bunch of friends and I was like, would you do this with me? Like, and then all of a sudden it was, you know, COVID. And so we were, 
kind of in a different world anyway. And so I was like, okay, well, what if it was virtual and we did this? Um, and basically that's what it was. All these friends of mine said, yes, absolutely we would do it. And then I asked Sephora if they would, um, you know, help out by being part of the judging. Right. And then somebody else said, okay, well, I think I can get new voices to give $10,000. Right. It just was this, in, in the best way, it was this avalanche of ideas that kind of came in. Um, and actually, I don't even think I've told you yet, but this year we're even taking it a step further. So we actually opened up applications in April. I'm friends with Katie Kitchens, who's the founder of FabFitFun. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so one thing we're doing this year is we're curating a box of um, Clean Beauty Summer School products. So it'll be, it could be anyone, it could be you, it could be people who've been in the program previously, mentors, teachers but they're curating a box, like a 5,000 piece box. Wow. And so the winner of Clean Beauty Summer School this year will get not only the suite of prizes that they've had in the past, but in addition to that, a 5,000 piece PO. Whoa. Amazing. Which is oh like God, pretty incredible, yeah, right? To get scale, whether you're just trying Beautiful. to do it so you can get like, yeah. you know, economies of scale or whatever it is. Yeah. It's just so incredible to me that like, <clears throat> I, there's so much embedded in this. Like, there's reciprocity, but there's also, like, you're not even that far along at this point, and yet you've created a platform for people to, like, pay the, some of the help you've got forward in such a meaningful way. And, you know, Nopal Era was the, the third year of, you know, what, it's been four seasons so far? Yeah. This will be the fourth year. This, this will be, be the fourth year. year. Mm -hmm. And I just want to shout out to, like, it's about the network. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I met New Voices. Now I'm in the New Voices family because yeah. of Amy. Because I won the grant, and they were the people who provided the, the, the money for that, right? Now I'm in the New Voices family. So now... I get to ask them, hey, I'm looking for a new soap manufacturer. Like, I'm looking for this. Yeah. And they help me with, you know, it's like it just continues to grow. It's like tree roots. You know what well, I mean? And I right. think we're it's all. It's about the network. And I think it's like they're not competitive, too, right. right? There's no version of this where, like, I'm not, I mean, I get a lot out of it personally. But, like, there's no, in the very beginning, I had people say, like, oh, I'll be part of the, the program if I can get equity in the winner's company. I was like, what? no. <laughs> That is not, this is not what we're doing. Like, I have no skin in the game in that sense, right. nor do I ever want to. It's really just with best of intentions. Yeah. Um, but there's also so many other amazing accelerator programs that I'm lucky enough to even just be a part of. So I'm part of the Sephora Accelerate program. I teach and I mentor there. I'm part of the Credo one. I mean, I just think there's so much of this... Um, in the industry that I think is really positive. Yeah, and how proud of you of your research. I mean, look at this, and look at us now. I know, it's here so we are. Fun. It's so crazy. It's the best part of being in the beauty industry to me is like I've kind of grown up in this industry. Right. And so then I get to, like you said, I walk into Sephora, I walk into Credo, and I'm like, these are my friends. It's literally just the, the group. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I like am so happy for other people when I see them like crushing it. Totally. I ain't rich till my whole team rich. That's the quote. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about being a performer. Um, and so, when I was in business school, I had a professor, Professor Bunch, that... Um, Where did you go to business school? In Chicago. Yeah. And he talked about, like, being a performer as one of the most important traits of entrepreneurship. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah, it was the first time I had heard it, too. And I don't... I've never really felt that, that way, but it, I do... Like, the more I think about it, the more I think he's right, where... You know, it's confidence on stage. It's being quick on your feet when things go wrong. And so, Sandra, you're a literal performer. As I applied blush. blush. But actually, you know, you were a musician on stages for, for many, many years. And yeah. then obviously look at things like Shark Tank and, and just handling yourself with confidence yeah. and, yeah. and, and You finesse. probably have no, like... Um Anxiety. I mean, yeah. I do, but I do, I just recognize what it is, and I know that I can. Once I get mm. the first line of the song right, it's fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then Amy, I mean, you 
while maybe not as obvious or explicit, you do have it, you clearly have it, because you can see how, you know, you were going about your early career and breaking into these places in sort of this performance of, like, I'm going to get in here and I'm going to do some creative stuff to, like, really have them take me seriously. And then, obviously, there's that bit about um, the popsicles and the score <laughs> and all that stuff. So I'd love to just sort of try to thread the needle between the importance of being a performer, whatever that means to you, and its value in the context of entrepreneurship. I think it's really interesting that you think that about me as being a good performer, because I think it's something that <laughs> I've really struggled with. Oh, sorry. Again, <laughs> not on my stomach. Um, no, it's something I've really struggled with. I think I was a very good number two. Like, I, I wrote all of the speeches for Katie and for um, Josie when I worked for them, Kate Somerville and Josie Marin when I worked for them. I was really good at being behind the scenes and kind of propping up somebody else. And I think one of the things that was the most difficult for me was kind of coming into this on my own and t making it about me. I actually, I don't actually tell this story very much, but I kind of launched Tower 28 twice almost in some sense. Like, meaning that when I was pitching and it really was a completely different thing, it wasn't about my story at all. Um, and the original concept was really just about like, it didn't have to do with sensitive skin, even though I was formulating that way. Right. Because I wanted it, it was more like, it was just not about me. Right. And I think I found it hard to put myself in it because I just didn't think anyone would care and probably in a different way even because the brand is kind of beachy in origin and the way that it looks visually. And I really thought that people would think it was a really big disconnect from if they saw my face, mostly because I'm Asian. I've grown up in, I was, you know, my parents were immigrants from Taiwan. I was born in America, I was raised predominantly in Southern California. I live on the west side, I live you know, near the beach, my husband's a surfer, but I don't know that we look like that in the traditional way, like I don't have blonde hair and you know, blue eyes and those types of things. So it is interesting because I do think your point is right. I think the performance aspect of it, meaning for me, it's like the ability to sell your vision and your your story and your products is incredibly important as an entrepreneur, but it's not something, it was easy for me as soon as I understood why I was doing it and what the story was, and because it's true. Right. But I'm not a natural performer in a, um, in a bigger way. I like this though, I like podcasts. <laughs> But I don't, you almost never see me uh, doing a get ready with me. <laughs> I'm like, is this on? Because like, I'm like, uh, yes. I will leave oh, the stage. Oh, Emmy Noodle Struck. Oh, shout out to Shout out to Kevin. <laughs> um, I have been a performer since I was a child. So my parents forced me to take piano. So I've been doing piano recitals. But I was always nervous. But I just yeah. kept going. And right. I honestly think that the greatest gift of being a performer is that it strengthened my rejection and resilience yeah. muscle. Because anyone that's a performer hears more no's than yeses. Yeah. You know, I was my own tour manager for many years. So I, how many emails did I write? Like, do you have a date? I want to come on play in your club. Like, ignore. No, 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 no. And then you get like one yes, and you build a whole like tour around that. You know, so honestly, it's the resilience of performing. You know, that even even if you don't feel great, like you still have to go give a show. You know. I think that that is the thing that I really gained from from being a performer. Yeah. And you know, raising money, it's all this performance oh, it really of like it's inside selling. you're dying. Right. You're like I will take anyone. But it is all the time. It's like you're yeah. selling, you have to sell your vision to your to team. team. You've got to yourself. sell it to your <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you have to, why am I doing this? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Like what do I yeah. care about? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. So, I um I sort of wanted to bring it back to family. You guys both have children. I 
really just wanted to ask, like, how important is it to you guys that, you know, they see you guys building your businesses? I think it's so unique and so special. It's not, it's, it's definitely not easy, but I think there's so much value there and, and there's so many good lessons being imparted and they're probably so inspired by what you guys are doing. So you talk about building in front of your children. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think you definitely have to see it to be it in so many different ways. And I think one, I have three kids. I have two daughters and one son. I think most times people think I'm talking about my daughters, which I do think it's really important for them to see the dynamics of like having, I think at some point my relationship with my husband, because I took some time off and I was consulting and he was working full time. I think it became very gendered the way our roles were, where right. it was like, okay, well, like dad goes to work in a very traditional way. He goes to an office and comes back. And I was consulting while they were in school. So they never, they saw me drop them off and then they saw me pick them up. Right. Right. And so. Yeah. What'd you do all day? Yeah. <laughs> well, and then they saw me like cooking dinner and clean. So like very gendered in a traditional way. Sure. And I think it's really important for them to see not only like me doing this, but just like trying and doing something for myself and having an identity that is outside of just being like a mom and a wife, which are very important roles. Um, but this was something I wanted for, for me too. For my son, I think of it as like, I don't know, this is how I want him to see women too. Like that women can do these things just as much I think as I think that for, you know, my daughters. Yeah. I mean, I know now that I'm older, yeah. you know, I'm 46 years old that everything who I am has so much to do with how I saw my mom yeah. being just herself. You yeah. know, it's not even about what you do for a living. It's like how you exist in the world. And she is just a go-getter. And so I am a go-getter yeah. and that was modeled to me, but you don't really understand that until you're older. Right. So yeah. I don't think that my daughter right now at the age of 15 can fully, I think she thinks it's cool. Like what but I she do. Probably she loves the free samples. Yeah. She's like, can you, can you get more SOS from Amy? Are you with can Amy you get, today? Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's like, you know her, she's on my for you page. You know, I get that a lot. Um, but, She'll know when she's older. She'll look back and she'll be like, wow, my mom was a badass. But she, like now it's normal because however yeah. your parents are when you're growing up, it's right. normal. Like it was normal to me that my mother was, you know, on television. It was normal to me that, you know, she was like marching with people in the street. But not everyone's mom was doing that, you know. Right. But so I think it's it later is like really when the true, like when she'll, it'll really be clear to her. So I just know it's important for me to continue to model that. Yeah. I think, you know, something I sort of want to talk about is, you get, I, I kicked off the show with this, two of the most badass female founders. It's it's harder than average, I think, for people to be female founders. It's the access to capital, like the white male-dominated industry. And something I think, even personally, I think about a lot is just like allyship. And I think there are more and more, I think literally every day, there's more people that want to be part of the solution. And I, I, I you know, I guess my question is, how do people be part of the solution? Like, what does that entail, and how do we sort of correct that narrative um, for the people that you know do want to be part of the solution? I it's mean, like what Amy's doing. She's part of this. You know, she created Clean Beauty Summer School. She's creating these networks, and like that is so valuable. You know, like more people like that share your share your network, network, share your yeah. network, share your knowledge. Sometimes it's more valuable it's than, than money, you know? Yeah, it's the, it's the access, you yeah. know? I, I mean, one thing that we gratefully did in the beginning because of COVID and everything too is our program's virtual. And I think one of the real benefits of that is that you get people from like all geographies. Right. Where like it used to be, I mean, I think about how much harder my business would be to start if I was not in LA, right? right? Like the access to like even 
influencers to talent, so like just in general, is much more difficult. We have, you know, some of our um, biggest contract manufacturers are in LA too. So just the access is really different. Like if you live in like, I don't know, Indiana or something, mm -hmm. I don't know, it must, has to be a lot harder. Right. Um, I think the other very simple thing that people need to do is to vote with their wallets. So, I mean, I think all of us do that, but I yeah. think it's really important, right? Like, I know one of my my friend, friendly founders in the industry is Deepika, who has Live Tinted, and she says this all the time, but it's like, thank you for supporting, but also, like, put your money where your mouth is, right? right? Yeah. So, um, Don't ask me for free samples. Go <laughs> well, yeah. I don't think that's what no, she means either, but yeah. um, I do think there is something to, like, if you, and, and I do it too, even though, like, even with beauty, I know a lot of these founders and they're like happy to give me things for free. I shop, I go to Sephora mm -hmm. and I'm like, I buy because it's important to me to continue to support. Yeah. yeah. And people, I think- I like, bought your products. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, it's, you know, when you're in like major retailers like Sephora or Ulta or Creed or Target, you need that sell-through data, yes. you know? So that totally. it's not just about supporting, it's like, that's like, people don't really understand what that means. Like, totally, I didn't know what it meant. Like, yeah. Now I intentionally did. I'm like, oh, yeah. I need some velocity. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. I can exactly, help. exactly. Yeah, because the margins are tough in beauty too. I mean, coming from CPG, like when I, when I entered into the beauty space, I was like, oh shit, what? They take a 60 margin? That's like robbery. Because yeah, yeah. like grocery takes like 40, 35. Oh, really? oh yes. I didn't know. Yes, you know, so it's high margins, you know, so it's expensive to be yeah. in these retailers. I think a lot of people don't understand that either, you right. know. I mean, I think all of us do what we can, right? Again, like, I am now in a position where I can put together a program like this, but if I didn't have that access in the beginning, I wouldn't be able to. Totally. Um, but I think at a very basic level, it is write a review, write a, you know. Oh God, please so write a, I'm like, write don't DM me your glowing review. Please put it on the yeah, website. I know. That's yeah. so true. <laughs> I know. Okay. Okay, so I um, I want to talk about a new couple new products launching, and uh, so can you give the audience a sneak peek into what's next for Nopalera and Tower 28? Yes. Well, as much as I would love for everyone to switch to bar products, people still love body wash and they love lotion. So we are launching a cactus shower gel and a cactus awesome. body cream. Uh, what will what, What's the scent? Custom scent. Nice. So, yeah. So kind of like Nopalera 2.0 because all of our scents have been very natural uh -huh. up right. until this point, like very essential oil based, very subtle. Um, and now we, some of the feedback we got from Sephora was like having like that custom scent that ties back to the brand story. Yes. So we are, we created a custom scent. Awesome. And that's exciting. Be, yeah. So that's, that's the next thing. Awesome. Cool. How about you? Um, we are expanding on our skincare line. So we currently have an, our SOS family of products that has, um, our, our SOS daily facial spray is actually crazy. It is the number two toner at all of Sephora, Whoa. which it's funny because it's not really a toner it's more of a treatment spray <laughs> but that's how they class it um, and it's done really well which is even more wild because it sits inside of the makeup section so that's not where you expect to find skincare products um, but expanding upon that one of the things I really wanted to do is on a really basic level you need to clean your skin Tony this is more of a it's basically hypochlorous acid so it helps to not only calm your skin but also help keep it clean from an antibacterial perspective and so the next thing we're doing is we're launching a moisturizer. Wow. And the moisturizer I'm really excited about because I've gone, as somebody who's really suffered from skincare issues, I've gone to the dermatologist and all these different places. And the number one thing everybody always says is like, do less. Right. Like just step back and let your skin heal itself. And so this is what we're calling like an intentionally basic product. Got so it. it's a beautiful formula made with ceramides and hyaluronic acid, but it's 
not an active, so it's not about like retinol and vitamin C and all these types of things, which are great. But like I w wanted something where I could bring those in on my own as opposed to like bombarding my skin with, with it and when my skin wasn't ready for it. So the same way that when you go to the dermatologist, sometimes they'll say like, oh, just use Cetaphil for a while. Right. I don't want to use Cetaphil. I want something that's a little more elevated than that. And so that's what this is. I can't wait. Yeah, it's putting, honestly putting like to good use. I can't honestly, wait. Honestly, like, I'm always looking for just like a simple. A simple. A simple cream. It's like an like elevated facial, basics. Yeah. Like this is a true moisturizer. So it brings yeah. water. I mean, at yeah. a really basic level, a moisturizer is supposed like to bring hydration yeah. to your skin and then lock it in. And yeah. that's what it does. Yes. Yeah. So everything's so complicated now. Everything is like, you know, peptide this and niacinamide that. I, I'm like, can I? It's like you can't find a white shirt anymore. Yeah, it's I just, that's, that's what it is. is. Like yeah. that's it. Literally, it's so funny you yeah. said that because we were like, what do we talk about? Like it's like your your basic white shirt yeah. or your favorite pair it's of like, jeans. Why does every like, jeans have to have holes and like yeah, yeah. stuff on it? Like yeah. like sometimes just do a little bit. Yeah. yeah less. For sure. yeah. Well, um, real quick, SOS spray break as we get in, <laughs> into You're like, uh, now that I know it does well, Sephora, yeah, too, I mean, I'm just gonna. <laughs> no, converted, converted me for sure. I feel great. Me and Justin Bieber. Yes, best, I. Best friends now. Just, yeah. I mean, Haley Bieber did too. Um, He's just copying you, Tom. Yeah, right. Um, so, all right, so we're at our second to last stop. It's called The Hot Box. Uh -huh. uh, and aptly named, given uh, what's Ooh. going on in here right now. Um, but the hot boxes are sort of our rendition on the hot seat, so it's going to be a this or that style pushing game, like A or B, and the goal is sort of without thinking, you guys say which one you have a preference for. At the a same time? A or B. So we're going to go Amy first. Okay, Andres, okay. Right? okay. Like, are we shouting <laughs> at each other? Are we winning? <laughs> yeah. right. Do we win a prize if yeah. we say the same thing? Nope. <laughs> no prizes. <laughs> um, you get out of the box. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're going to get into it. Ready? Okay. All right, so cold plunger hot tub. We sold six million our first year and did $80 million in sales last year. That's what the COO of Adventure Challenge, a longtime customer of ShipOps, shared with ShipOps the other day. The pace of growth for Adventure Challenge has been insane, but it wasn't all positive. It started with a failed crowdfunding project. Then investors assured them that their business would fail. They raised $0 in outside capital. And it somehow only took a few years to hit $80 million in sales. They started off fulfilling all orders themselves. They'd have U-Hauls packed with thousands of products, making endless trips from their storage unit to the post office. It was not scalable. It was definitely hurting their growth. It definitely wasn't fun. That's when ShipOb started their partnership with Adventure Challenge. By being able to focus on growing the business and product development, sales took off like a rocket ship. While Adventure Challenge initially focused on D2C sales, their popularity started driving other conversations. They started to stock several hundred smaller boutiques across the country, then Francesca's, then Kohl's. And while they're based in California and most of their customers are in the US, the word of mouth and viral videos on TikTok and Instagram started driving demand around the world. So then they started filling orders out of Canada and then the UK and now Australia. From a failed Kickstarter and getting $0 in outside investment on day one to over $80 million in revenue, Adventure Challenge has defied the odds and built a global powerhouse brand alongside their partnership with ShipOb, who's there to help you completely unlock your brand's growth. Read the entire story at shipop.com forward slash adventure dash challenge. Hot tub. Hot tub. Beach house or ski house? Beach. Beach. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Neither. Ooh, Sunrise good or for sunset? You. Sunrise. Sunset. D to C or D to C? Letter T or oh. number two? The letter. I, yeah, I think the first. Wow. D, letter T, letter C. Okay. Neat I, or messy? I aspire to be neat. <laughs> 
Same. <laughs> Corgi or Golden Retriever? Corgi. Corgi. So cute. Winter or summer? Summer. Summer. Tennis or golf? Neither. Neither. Pineapple pizza or candy corn? Candy corn. Pineapple pizza. There oh. we go. Live music or DJ? Who are you talking to here? Live music. <laughs> DJ. <laughs> live in space or live underwater? Water. I'm a mermaid. Fight one horse-sized duck or a thousand duck-sized horses? Wait, what? <laughs> horse-sized duck? Fight one horse-sized duck or a thousand duck-sized horses? And, I, and I'm trying to win? Yeah, you're trying to fight them. Um, I would say the latter. The, the thousand yeah. duck-sized horses? I don't know. That just seems more doable. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. yeah all right. But one, it's really scary to think of a horse-sized duck. Yeah. <laughs> Intimidating. Sweet snacks or salty snacks? Salty. Together, both. Ooh. Wow. Call, text, or audio notes? Text. Audio notes. Reading or writing? Writing. Writing. Work remote or work on site? On site. Sorry, guys. Remote. <laughs> do laundry or do the dishes? I mean dishes. Neither. <laughs> Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or TikTok? Instagram. Instagram. Dancing or people watching? Dancing. Dancing. Always. Yeah. Cocktails or beers? Cocktails. Cocktails. Feel too hot or feel too cold? You like which one you prefer? Well, they both suck. But yeah. <laughs> the lesser of the two evils. Um, I guess I would rather feel too hot. Yeah, feel too hot. You get one animal to protect you against a horde of zombies, gorilla or grizzly bear? Grizzly bear? Grizzly bear. Give up bread for life or cheese for life? Cheese. I don't know. I like them both. Okay, I give up cheese. I would. I would have a hard time too. Air guitar or air drums? So cheesy. I guess. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're a musician. I know. I'm like, stop doing both. <laughs> uh, I make drums. I don't know. <laughs> Literally, I'm not the type of person to do this. But. Start early or leave late? I would like to be someone who started early, but I yeah, start early. We're founders. We do both. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, do it, but start early. Fiction or nonfiction? I would like to be someone who reads more fiction, but realistic, I read a lot of nonfiction. I only read business books. Yeah. <laughs> Where you want to travel next? Uh, Europe or Asia? Asia. Asia. All right. Rich and famous or rich and unknown? Rich and unknown. Oh, rich and unknown. Yes. Yeah, Don't consistent. call me. Playlists or podcasts? Podcasts. Podcasts. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Pancakes. Speak to animals or speak ten languages? Ten languages. Ten languages. If we could talk to that dog, that would have been No, cool. I want to travel and communicate. Uh, Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Netflix. Telepathy or teleportation? Mm. Oh. Both are pretty cool. Telepathy. Yeah, I would go telepathy. I'm like, what are you thinking, buyer? <laughs> trucks or billboards? And don't fuck this one up. <laughs> don't fuck <laughs> I think the answer is trucks. Trucks. <laughs> Receive good news first or bad news first? Bad news. Bad news. All right, well, the bad news is we were at stop five of <laughs> the show. And so, guys, I honestly, I, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Um, you guys are so kick-ass. And I also want to give a quick opportunity for you guys to plug yourself. So uh, where can people buy your products? Uh, where can they learn more about yourselves? And then uh, we'll wrap. Yeah, so we're at all Sephora's U.S. and Canada. Um, support at Kohl's, Credo, Revolve, and Goop. And Nopaleta is at Credo, Nordstrom, Free People, and 400 boutiques across the country. And then our website, Nopaleta.com. Oh, I should have said that too. Tower28beauty.com. Just yeah. would be mad if I didn't say that. And then <laughs> when are the, uh, the new products that we talked about, when are they launching for the fans? The fall. 
fall? June 19th. June yes. 19th. Awesome. Um, and then, oh, also our handles, right? So at Tower28Beauty right. on both, really on TikTok and Instagram. Um, and then my own handle is at Amy Liu, L-I-U underscore T28. And same thing, nopaleta.co on Instagram, same handle on TikTok. And I'm at official SLV personally on Instagram. All right, guys. Well, let's go uh, check out some of those places where those products are sold. Yeah, Yay. sounds great. That's it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs>